on, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, friend. It's good to be home. I was thinking when, as I was, uh, I preached this morning in Jamestown, Indiana, and as I was driving here this afternoon, uh, I was thinking about how blessed I am to be able to be with friends this week. And, you know, you go to a lot of churches when you travel like I do and some of these other ministers, and sometimes it's scary. <laughs> you know, you go to these congregations to where they just sit there and look at you, you know. Yes. And, and you, in your spirit, you're crying, help. <laughs> Hear my cry, oh God, and attend to my prayer. <laughs> From the end of the earth do I cry unto thee. But I don't feel that way here. It feels good to be with friends, people that love the Lord and that I feel comfortable with, and I'm very grateful for that. My wife, Carol, couldn't be here this week because she is on the executive board of Deborah's Voice, and there's several hundred thousand women that are going to be gathering together. Oh, you're going to go? Great. They're going to be in uh, Washington, D.C. at the end of the month of September, how many remember when all those perverted women went down there and said that they spoke for all the women in America? They lied. Some of God's children are going to go down there to magnify the name of Jesus. And so she's working on that right now. As a matter of fact, she drove to Hamilton, Ohio yesterday, and I stayed behind her in my pickup truck until we got to Cincinnati, and then I cut toward Indianapolis. She went on into Ohio. But, you know, she's down there with friends working in the kingdom. And I'm here with friends working in the kingdom, and I'm thankful for that. I mean that from my, my, my heart. You know, to go into a good room as I did this evening, and the, the lady at the desk said, hey, we've, we've got a gift bag here that the church left for you. And I said, oh, I like gifts. <laughs> and she said, well, the lady that brought it said you had a sweet tooth. I said, well, she doesn't know me that well then because all of my teeth are sweet. <laughs> but it's good to be blessed. It's good to feel the presence of God. I was thinking about, can I just hem haul here a little bit? That's what they call it in the South. Uh, you were talking about Kent Christmas and the prophecy that it gave in 2016 and also in uh 2017 about this year. Is that right? Yes. The one that, that uh, was given in 2017, as I heard it, something stirred in my spirit. And so I got on the phone and called Kent. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And I said, Kent, I just want to tell you something. There's a stirring in my spirit about part of that prophecy that you said. And I received it so much that I believe I'm going to see it come to pass in my ministry. And if you heard that prophecy, it was the part about God is returning signs and wonders to the church. Did you know I've seen more people healed in our services this year than I've ever seen in my ministry? This morning in Jamestown, Indiana, a woman screams out, I'm healed, I'm healed. Well, it just happened to be 
one of the ladies in the church that had been going there for many years that everybody knew that for many years had had a severe back problem, could barely stand on her feet, and she's over there leaping, screaming, I'm healed. How many know that'll bring revival? And I could tell you things that God has done since I've been here last that would boggle your mind when it comes to the signs and the wonders of the Lord and the services. And the, the funny part about it is, is when God has been doing this and I've been laying hands on people and praying for their healing, he works such miracles to heal them that I stand back and wonder myself. He really did heal them. How I many know oh, for years we've been praying prayers of faith? But isn't it good to see prayers of sight? Yes. <laughs> Amen. To see it come to pass. And I'm telling you, I've stood in many services this year and watched God touch people and just praised him that I could be able to see what he's doing. If you're here tonight and you need healing in your body, you're in the right place. I tell you, whenever you're moving in the healing ministry, and some of you know this, whenever God is anointing you to lay hands on people for healing, Satan attacks your body. Uh, let me just start by saying this in this service. I looked at your shoes, Jimmy, and I thought, boy, I'm going to have to ask him where you got those shoes. I like that. And then I thought, nah, I'm not going to ask him because you have to bend over to tie them. <laughs> uh, and, and this, this morning, uh, I was getting ready for church in the motel, and, and uh, my shoulder's gone out. And it's done that before, and it's taken months to heal. I, I sure wish the Lord healed me quick tonight. But here I am, Pastor, I'm telling this on myself. I'm in a motel room this morning. Now, I can lift that arm up with my other arm, and it doesn't hurt. But when I put pressure on that shoulder, it, it just kills me. But this morning, here I am leaning or lifting that arm up and putting my hand on the wall so I could put deodorant under that arm. And I was thinking to myself, I'm still going to pray for the sick. Uh, some of you remember Claude Ely, my uncle, years ago that came through this part of the country. And one time he was preaching in a camp meeting, and some of the folks that were there told me about it. Uh, he'd been a little weary in well-doing because there had been a big tumor that had grown on his leg. And the doctors wanted to do surgery. Well, Claude got up to preach in that camp meeting, and while he was preaching, he said, the devil don't want me to pray for you tonight. For, for those that are sick, but he said, I'm going to pray anyhow. I don't care if there is a tumor on my, well, I'm healed. <laughs> You've got to press through sometimes. Now, I'm just giving you a preamble. I'm not preaching yet, but I want to tell you what's in my spirit. There's somebody that's here that's been praying for a touch from God. You prayed and you prayed and you said, God, I just need a touch. Just touch me, Lord. And God told me to tell you he's waiting on you to touch him. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't stand on the sideline and say, touch me, Jesus. But she pressed her way through the crowd and she touched Jesus. And when she touched Jesus, he turned around and said, who touched me? And they said, well, Lord, all kinds of people around here are touching you. But Jesus knew who touched him. 
Are you hearing me? Not just put flesh against flesh, but who touched him. How do you touch Jesus? If you're thankful in your heart, if you give high praise to the name of Jesus, you're touching Jesus. So can I just praise him right now for my healing and for your healing? Amen. Praise God. I want to touch him tonight. You know, I didn't come to be blessed. I come to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. Somebody say God's cool. Where was that spot, Pastor? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Be sensitive to the spirit because God wants to do something here tonight. I called Pastor and talked to him about this message I'm getting ready to preach. I preached it before. I had no intentions on preaching this tonight. But just like God, he's, he tells me to preach this message. I'm digging through my briefcase in the motel room thinking, I hope I have those notes. Because it's been so long, I think I've about forgot it. But I get a little weary when God wants me to preach something like that that I've already preached before. Because you start wondering, you know, God, are you going to bless it like you did before? What are you going to do with this and this kind of crowd? What, what are you up to, God? I want to know what God's up to, but sometimes he doesn't tell me a thing. And so I just obey what he told me before and go and do it and stand back and wonder and watch. You know, preachers can't take credit anymore. They try to take credit for what God was doing, and the anointing left the church. But God's getting ready to bring signs and wonders to the church that even the preachers are going to be standing in the corner going, look what the Lord has done. Amen. You're talking about John Kilpatrick put out that word to his church, and they put it on video on on, uh, live stream when he said that the Lord told him that the spirit of Ahab has been coming against our president, but that God told him, last Saturday night, that the spirit of Jezebel is going to be released against our president. I told my wife, I said, I thought the spirit of Jezebel had already been released against our president. Amen. I'm telling you, you mentioned the president being under attack. He's not the smartest guy in the world by no means, but he's our president. I prayed for the last president we had. I'm going to pray for this one too. That God give them enough sense to do what's right in the eyes of God. Now, I'm just kind of flowing in some stuff here real quick before I preach, but one other thing I want to say, and I'll say this is a prophecy. I've never said this to the church before anywhere, but God spoke to me tonight over there when you were talking about California. You know what? Those governors can do all they want to. They can sign everything they want to, but there's always going to be a church. And I'm just about at the place, I don't know about your church, but I'm about the place in my ministry that I'm ready to to notify the state that we are no longer a nonprofit organization and you're not going to tell us what to do. We'll just go ahead and pay your stupid tax and you leave us alone. You know what? God's going to bless the church financially. We won't go broke. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he will meet our needs in our, in our own parachurch ministries and in the local church ministry. And if it gets to the place they tell you you can't preach like they did in Canada a few years ago and said don't preach against homosexuality or we're going to shut you down. Well, I tell you what, you just tell them we're going to pay your tax and we're, we're going to be a profit organization and we're going to be private and you can't tell us what to do. I'm prophesying to give you a word before it happens. Amen? Let them take their 20-some percent. It's all right. God will give us 120-some percent more. But I, I remember, I'm rambling. I'm rambling. But I'm just telling what's in my heart. I, I preached in Canada about two weeks after they passed that law, and I was in a church about 1,000 people up there, and they, they were having a pastor's conference, and there was pastors from all over the country there. And I, I, the way that I, I did it, I got up and I said, I've heard that recently they've passed a law that we can't preach that homosexuality is a sin. I said, therefore, even though it's in the Bible and God says it, I'm not going to preach that this week. <laughs> I said, now you guys know what you can do. First Chronicles chapter 27. In 1 Chronicles 27, I'm going to read it in the NIV first. I'm going to read just part of a verse. The very last sentence in verse 28. It says, Joash was in charge of the supplies of olive oil. I like the King James Version better. King James Version says that Joash was put over the sellers of oil. The sellers of oil. Anybody ever go down in a cellar? We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. You can be seated if you want. Now, I know a lot of guys pray right now before they preach, but I prayed before I came to church. I learned a long time ago, if you're not ready before you get there, you're in trouble. <laughs> Amen? What I just read for you, part of a verse, and the reason I don't want to go into all of these names because there's so much involved in there. There's actually four chapters in 1 Chronicles that mentions the names of David's major soldiers that had been fighting uh, on the side of David against the armies of the known world at that time. And... When they came back, David wanted to bless them because they had been such a blessing to him and Israel. And so now David's old, the battles are won, and there had been many. And he decided that he would reward those men by diff different positions. And there's four chapters that talk about the different men's names and the positions that they were blessed with from King David. Now, there's some things about these soldiers that, that I want you to understand. You see, these soldiers were men with battle scars. They were men that had seen a lot of junk, a lot of stuff, if you please, and they'd been through a lot of stuff. If you read about some of those, those armies that they fought against, I mean, they were horrible enemies. And... When they came home, like any other old soldier, anybody been in the military here besides me? Am I the only one here? That's unusual. 
I'll tell you, when a combat soldier comes home, he's weary. He's weary for a lot of reasons, but one thing that upsets him is he doesn't know what to do with himself. Been away from his loved ones. He can't talk with them in a conversation for many months until after he's been home for a long time because he doesn't fit in. Because when they start talking about, oh, remember when we did this six months ago? He doesn't remember it. He was in war. And so he's confused, and he needs something to occupy himself, keep him busy. Soldiers that, when they came home from Vietnam especially, when they didn't have anything to do and they were cut off from being able to be in conversation with people because people were sick of hearing about that war. It had been on radio and television, and they were just sick of it. It had gone on for year after year, and they were tired of hearing about their boys being killed. They didn't want to talk about it. So when these soldiers came home, they had nobody to talk to. They went into a shell, and I was told by a VA doctor that they would do one of three things. They'd become drug addicts, alcoholics, or preachers. And I is a preacher. <laughs> but these soldiers, like other soldiers, they needed to keep themselves occupied doing something. David understood that. David was a wise man. And so he's handing out these jobs. Now, there's so many names that are mentioned in those four chapters. I just, it would take me two years to preach on all of that. But I've chosen one name to preach about, and that's Joash. You see, Joash was given that job after being part of a killing machine. History tells us that David's army was one of the, the, the roughest, toughest killing machine in the known world at that time. And here they come back. David's going to honor them, get their minds off of being a killing machine and bring them back to reality and normal life. And he starts giving jobs out. Now, this army of David's, and if you studied, how many studied the Philistines a little bit before? Anybody? I mean, they wore wild hats and armor, and they, they were a mean bunch of guys. But, but David's army had subdued the Philistines. They'd smote Moab and the Moabites. The Syrians had been conquered by this army. The Edomites had been defeated by David's army. And now the Edomites had become David's servants. Somebody say, God's cool. God's cool. But now David reigned over all of Israel. He's passing these jobs out, and, and he begins to uh, have his servant call out names. Can you imagine being one of those men and what they must have gone through? I mean, the speculation had to run high. Standing there, my king is getting ready to reward me. What's he going to do? What kind of position is he going to put me in? I mean, that, that speculation. Can you imagine their wives and kids? I mean, daddy's been gone for years battling against the enemies of Israel. Now he's returned home, and the king is going to reward him with a position. Can you imagine that wife? Woo, new clothes next Sunday. <laughs> Can you imagine the kids? Daddy's getting a new chariot. I mean, they were probably humming that tune, moving on up. 
I mean, they, they had such speculation and, and, and anticipation, and things are going to change now that Daddy's getting his new position. And all these wives and kids standing in the background while these men stood in a line, and David's servant was calling their names to give them positions. Now, Joash must have really wondered, what am I going to be blessed with? Where will I serve my king? How will I serve him? Will I be made a judge over many? Maybe I'll be over thousands or tens of thousands. Maybe I will be the gatekeeper or the wall keeper. Maybe I'll be over the treasurer. I wouldn't want that job. He probably thought, maybe I'll be the one that wakes up the king every morning when the sun comes up. I mean, the speculation and anticipation was phenomenal. And as they're standing there, these names are being called out and all these good jobs being handed out. I can almost feel what he must have felt when he heard that one is over the, the vineyards and now this one's over the treasure and that one's over the, the, the palace doorkeeper. And, and he's going, he's hearing all these things handed out. And then it gets to Joash. Joash. He's, he's going it through his mind. What's left? They say, you're going to be the keeper of the oil in the cellar. I mean, no, that would excite you. <laughs> While everybody else is up on the streets of Jerusalem, the oxen pulling the carts to and fro and the horses back and forth, and they're shopping in the marketplaces and laughing and having fun. Where's Joash? Joash is down in the cellar. What is a cellar? It's a cold, dark, damp place. Joash probably thought, I feel like I've been cursed instead of blessed. That is, until he went into the cellar. What's in that cellar? As far as the eye can see under the streets of Jerusalem is a huge cellar that's full of clay pots. And in those pots is the purest oil known to mankind. It was the purest olive oil. Olive oil is sensitive. Yes, it is. It's delicate. Mm -hmm. How many know the Holy Ghost is sensitive? Yes. Yes. You don't want to quench the Holy Ghost. You don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine his first day going down, down? He thought he was going to go up, up. When I got called to preach, I'd been given a vision just as a young man, it was like the sky opened up and I saw myself preaching to thousands of people. But when ministry started, it didn't start that way. It started full-time in Grundy, Virginia. <laughs> and the closer we got to Grundy, the grundier it got. <laughs> and we were going down down, down. But living there in Grundy, Virginia, after we were there a while, I realized there was something precious between those mountains. They had a lot of oil. <laughs> they had a lot of the anointing of the Spirit. Those people were saturated with the Holy Ghost. 
And my time spent there may have been in a dark, damp, cold place that only had a mountain here, a road, a river, and another mountain. And the church that we attended, you had to dig the side of the mountain out to build that building. But boy, when you went in there, just about everybody that sat in those pews were clay pots full of oil. I mean to tell you, I got so excited sometimes in the services. We had such a powerful move of the Spirit at one time. Buford Smith was the pastor. I was his associate pastor. Buford Smith went on after I left the church and built seven television stations that cover seven different states in the southeastern part of our country that are still being used for the kingdom today. One night on a Sunday night, there was such a move of the Holy Ghost that in that church service that people didn't know where the pastor or the associate pastor was, and they didn't care. We'd gone up in the balcony. We sat on the front row in the balcony and just sat there watching God knock people all over the floor. The last count we had was over 80 people that were slain in the spirit. There was 450 people there. There probably would have been more than 80 in the floor, but there was no room. People were just moving in the oil. They were saturated in the oil. When Joshua or Joash rather went down in the cellar, he had no idea where he was going. When he went down there, as far as he could see were those clay pots that were sealed with wax seals to take care and protect the oil. I tell you what America needs today more than anything else is pastors that will take care of the oil. That will be sensitive like the the, the oil is sensitive. Sensitive to the spirit that they move in the spirit and stop moving in the flesh. And I want to tell you there's no entertainment in the cellars of God. I said there's no entertainment in, and there's, you're not moved by emotionalism in the cellars of God. It's a cold, dark place, but I tell you what's in that place is more oil than you'll ever need in a thousand lifetimes. Let me explain to you about that anointing oil. That oil was not just there to be kept forever. But days would come for certain pots of oil to be unsealed. For you see, there's not going to be any lights in the temple of God if the oil is not protected. Because it took oil in the lamps of God, in the house of God, that the fire of God that you were preaching about earlier could be there, that the, the priest could see where he was going. There had to be oil, not just any oil. Because if you put just any oil in the lamps of God, they would have smoked and stopped burning. But the pure olive oil that was kept and protected by Joash was an oil that was given to the temple to put in the lamps that the light would shine bright. God has given us the Holy Ghost that his light will shine bright within us. I'm not fearful because the world is dark. It was prophesied in Isaiah that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness will come upon the people. But God said to his people, arise and shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Can I prophesy again? Don't fear the dark. Rejoice because of the light. Hallelujah. When they're talking about putting the church down and somebody here might have seen what they did down in Arkansas with that satanic uh, statue that they put up and, and nobody's really pulling it down like they are other statues. 
But that doesn't bother the real church. Because the real church in dark, cold, damp times, are you hearing me? What we're watching is not what the world is up to, not what hell is up to, but what our eyes is focused on is the oil of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you see, the prophets can't be anointed without that oil that Joash was watching over. <laughs> King David, when he brought the ark of God back uh, that had been taken by the Philistines, had somebody not been down there to watch, watch that oil and protect it, he couldn't have been anointed to be king. <laughs> Joash had a blessed job. I want to tell you sometimes, as a pastor, you feel like this is cold and dark. Sometimes, as a pastor, you think I've been demoted to the ministry. But I want to prophesy to you, you've not been demoted. You've been promoted. When God puts you in a cold, dark place, uh, he wants you to protect the Holy Spirit within you. For you see, your body is the clay pot in the New Testament. You are the container of the oil of God of heaven. You have been filled with the Spirit. And God wants you to recognize who you are. You're not just anybody. You're part of the glorious church. The church is not going down. The church is going up. Somebody praise God. Recently, somebody said to me, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Come on. I said, you don't have to go to church. But real Christians do. Yes. Well, why do you have to go to church? Because Jesus died that there could be a church. Yes. He's not coming back after people that are staying home from church. He's coming back after a glorious church. Do you hear me? Many members but one body. People that have been protecting the move of the spirit. People that have not given in to the voice of Satan. People that have lived holy. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled your theme, hunger and thirst. Can I preach a while? I'm telling you, hunger can bless you or hunger can curse you. In the garden, the reason that the woman gave in to the subtleness of the serpent was because she was hungry. One guy said on television, she was hungry. Well, I don't know if she's hungry or hungry, but she wanted some food. And when, when she got to see in that, and it looked pleasant, she was hungry. When you're hungry, it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. It's, it's according to what you eat. Well, glory. Amen. I remember when John Hagee preached for me in my church in Kentucky to our pastor's conference one year. He just lost about 100 pounds, and the whole time he preached, he talked about how those preachers need to lose weight like him. About eight months later, he's right back just like he was before. I tell you, you got to watch what you eat. I lost eight pounds last month, and I found it this month. You got to watch what you eat. When she was hungry in the garden, she ate the wrong thing. She should have gone over to the tree of life. If she would have eaten of the tree of life, she would have been living in eternal bliss. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. What is righteousness? It's living right. It's acting right. It's talking right. It's walking right. We live in a church era today in America where they don't know what righteousness is. The reason their hearts are open to the darts of hell is because they don't have on the right breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is not just something for you to do or be. It's something that protects you from the enemy and you'll be eating the right stuff. That's why David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm telling you, I'm hungry for a rhema word. I'm hungry for the Holy Ghost afresh in my life. I'm hungry for miracles in the church and healings of the bodies of the Christians, the saints of God. Somebody ought to be excited right there. I'm telling you, God has called this pastor, and God has called that pastor, and any pastor that he's called is called to go through cold, dark times or situations. What they have to do is focus on what is there and why they're there. The Spirit is there. The Bible said the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. He probably felt like he was in a cold, dark cellar. But I like what it said about him. He came out of that wilderness with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Joash, after a while, looking at all those clay pots, finally started understanding why he was there. The whole thing upstairs wouldn't have worked if he hadn't have been downstairs. <laughs> if he wasn't willing to stay going through the dark, cold times of life, they couldn't rejoice in the temple. They couldn't rejoice in the streets. Somebody's got to pay a price. Somebody's got to watch over the anointing. I want to tell you, a lot of preachers have said to me face to face, you're old school, you're old fashioned, you're old time. No, I'm right on time. <laughs> Amen. My Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's not changed. The church has changed. The church needs to go through the hard times and not get bitter. The church needs to realize that we're watching over something that God wants us to, to keep and protect, to love and admire, and that's his spirit. Put us in jail like Paul and Silas will sing praise and God will shake the earth. Yes. The church will always be. When the earth is passed away, there will be a church because Jesus died for the church. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's more important to be part of a local church right now than it has ever been before. So Joe Ash, probably thinking at first, what a bad position. I remember when I took the church in southeastern Kentucky, a couple of preacher friends of mine came by and they said to me, words of encouragement. They said, you're crazy for taking this church. Don't you know this church is a killer? It's got a bad reputation in town and all over the country. People have heard about this church filled with troublemakers. Really? Yeah, you won't be here over two years. Uh, 
three buildings later, a school, K through 12 later, television ministry paid for later, radio paid for by somebody that didn't even attend our church, preaching all over the country and going overseas at least twice a year. And some of those same preachers had enough gall to call me up and say, can I come preach for you? You know what I said? When the Lord speaks to me, I'm going to call you right away. Guess what? They never got a call. Why? Because they were the type that would have never been willing to go in the cellar. I want to tell you, if you're willing to face the darkness of hell, God will give you a bright light from heaven. <laughs> I tell you what, Saul had to be blinded when he was knocked off of his horse on the road to Damascus. Why? So he'd stop focusing on the evil that he'd focused on before, and he would hear the right voice. Isn't it amazing how he didn't know God, but when God spoke, he called him Lord? When God closes our eyes to what's going on around us, and we begin to hear what he's saying, it'll change our lives. And the next time he opens our eyes to what's going on, we're not joining in with it. We are preaching the gospel, and telling people to get out of it. Amen. Amen. This church has gone through transition after transition. And I want to say to this pastor, when God told me to preach what I'm preaching tonight, he told me to tell you that he was pleased with you being willing to go down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, what time is it? Oh, wow. You won't come back tomorrow night if I keep preaching. Can I throw in something that's in my spirit? I read the book of Jonah again not long ago. And I, what stands out to me in Jonah, and, and everybody needs to preach and teach this. The entire book is about either being in God's presence or running from God's presence. And, and as I read that, it just stirred my spirit all over again because sometimes we preachers, we think, well, Jonah, you know, even the little kids know that story. It's only four chapters. I want to tell you, in that four chapters, there's a lot of meat. Yes, there is. Yes, and the thing that stood out to me about Jonah was that he went to a dark place, but not because he was being obedient, but because he was being disobedient. He was running from the presence of God. How many know God is everywhere? And he found that out when the ship started rocking to and fro. You know the story. And when that fish that God made, I've, I've heard some scientists, you know, I've read about this before where they said that was impossible because any man that would have been an unknown fish in this world would have died under those circumstances. Well, that wasn't just any fish. He said God made that fish for a reason. And inside of there, when it talks about he had seaweed around his head, and that thing threw him up, everybody say the fish didn't like sin, so he vomited. 
even that fish didn't want to keep a man that was running from God's will. And when he came out, you know the story, he preached, and Nineveh was one of the meanest cities known in history. And it said they all got saved. All of them got saved. And he got aimed. There are some places that are so dark that if we're not careful as Christians, even when God saves people in the church, we'll think, what are they doing here? They ain't got no business here. Listen, God saves to the uttermost. And he's looking for people that are willing to protect the move of his spirit. There is a revival that's coming to America one more time before we leave. It's going to come quick. I believe it's going to start after September 29th. I believe there's going to be some women that rise up because of the failures of Eve. And I believe there's going to be a multitude of anointed women that's going to stand up and go home and tell their husbands, you've been going through the motions. It's time for you to rise up. And if, if men don't rise up, those women will get anointed and stuff. We're going to see more women preachers. If you don't like this, that's tough. There's going to be more women. Amen. There's going to be more women preachers rise up in these last days that are going to be so anointed. Do you hear what I'm saying? In all the conferences I've preached in in the last several years, the one that intimidated me the most was when I spoke in a women's conference. And they had three other ladies get up before me that were so anointed it scared me. And I thought, they're going to get me up after that? I'm telling you, God's getting ready to shake up the church so he can help the church make herself ready. And the way we make ourselves ready is recognizing that the cold, dark, damp situations that we're going through is not to destroy us. It's because God trusts us enough to go through those things and protect the spirit within us. And walk in the spirit and after the spirit and not after the lust of the flesh. Would you stand on your feet?